Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right. Pray for wind. Pray for wind. It'll be a long one. You guys like how uh, last week you were far away from us? We were back there, so we're slowly moving towards you. We're just going to be closer and closer to you. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we'll be gathering in just a bit, getting our groups as we always like to have a nice discussion, get to know different people before we get into opening God's word and what he has to say for us today. Uh, just a heads up on a few things. Bathrooms are no longer all the way back that building. If you head out and make a right, you're going to see two bathrooms open to my right, your left right now. So just a heads up if you need to use that. Also, we have spray bottles, water. Hot coffee for those of you that are addicted and don't care what the temperature is. We got it for everybody. So just a heads up on that. Uh, also, right now, we are cruising along. You'd be praying for people. We have a, a really cool, we're, we're doing a short summer connection group. And so we have right now a healthy families group. Uh, we have about 10 people in that. Be praying for them. That's going really well. And so uh, that's what's happening. Otherwise, in August, is it on the website yet? It is. It's up. So on your app on the website, we're doing a beach day. So it'll be on Saturday, August something, 7th. There we go. And then uh, I think it's like a 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, something like that. So, um, and the 4 o'clock's really whoever wants to hang out longer can hang out. Otherwise, take out to that. So we got that going on. It'd be a great way to wrap up summer. So just a heads up. Look forward to seeing you uh, there. Uh, also want to encourage you that we're going to be going through um, the book of Acts uh, for the fall and probably in the next spring. It's a big book. Uh, and then we're also going to be, um, some of the letters that you read, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, different books like that, they were written while Acts was happening. And so we're going to kind of stop, look at Acts and say, hey, this is when this book was written. And, uh, but really we feel like this is as our hopefully nation and state are opening up more and more and we continue in that way. It gives us the opportunity to be strategic as Christians to say now we have more of an opportunity to connect with people, invite people and uh, really just to see who God's working on, and we get to participate, maybe bringing them to church, bringing them to Jesus, and we want to be mindful of that, and so Acts is all about that. That's what we're going to be focused on. That's what our connection groups are going to be focused on, so fall's going to be super, super exciting. I want to encourage you guys with this. Um, make sure you're mindful of people disconnected from God as much as you are about your bills, your worries, how you look, uh, you know, what your job is doing, all that kind of stuff as far as we have a bigger and greater purpose than all those things, and that God wants to use you if you're available. I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, I was reminded of that this week as far as um, the gym that I go to, um, the trainer there, got to know him, talking to him, and uh, just been praying. I'm always praying, like, God, just make me aware of opportunities, things like that. And then just out of the blue, he's like, um, so tell me about your church. And, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, are you familiar with churches or anything like that? And he's like, yeah. Dad was actually a pastor, kind of walked away, and now it's kind of God's kind of working on him as he's getting older. And it's just like just being available at a gym, being available um, wherever it is that God might have you. So just remember that. Because I think sometimes we think, ah, people don't really want to know God. It's like, no, they do. Uh, they're just waiting for people like us to give a smile, to be there for them, to be ready, to be able to invite, talk to them, ask questions, pray with them, whatever it might be. That's why we're going through the book of Acts. So if you want to start reading in advance, jump into that. It's a big book. And we're going to take our time going through that. If, you're, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. Uh, 
Uh, we're going to be looking uh, one through, we'll skip around one through 20-something. Uh, Judges, chapter 13. Um, so last week I, uh, I talked about um, uh, that God is our greatest resource. I think it was a good reminder for us because uh, we tend to think ourselves as our, our greatest resource or other people or entities um, or jobs or people that are in power over us as our greatest resource. And as a Christian, uh, what we're learning from right now is just, you know, we're in the Old Testament, and we're kind of looking at people that have been there, done that with faith. They've trusted God. Uh, maybe they did it well. Maybe they didn't do it well. But we're kind of just like learning from people that have been there and done that. And, uh, and so last week, we looked at Samson and asking God for wisdom. And I, I kind of want to follow up with that even a little bit more as far as not only is God our, our greatest resource, but God is our greatest teacher. I think some of us, we think that God wants to save us and then leave us. Kind of like, all right, I saved you. I died on the cross. Now, good luck in this life. And hopefully you make it to heaven. You don't go to hell. I think some of us literally live like that. Or we view Jesus as a get out of jail card. Like, okay, as long as I pray the prayer, then I can kind of do whatever I want. And then at the end, I'll be like, hey, I prayed one of seven, right? We're good, right? Remember me? And I think we're missing so much as far as not just eternal things we're missing, I think we're missing stuff now as far as God's like, listen, I want to be able to teach you and guide you that I will not only be your greatest resource, but I will be the, the, the greatest one to really teach you and guide you. That's his heart. That's a quality of God. Judges chapter 13, uh, we're going to jump into this. It's an interesting story. We're not going to look at all the chapters. Uh, Judges 13 through 16 covers a guy. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. His name is Samson. Samson. Now, some of us kind of know the story. Some of us, it's like, wasn't that like the big strong guy and things like that? And so it's kind of a, a tragic tale of a guy that started off well and didn't really uh, end real strong. But I want to remind you, it's also a guy that in Hebrews 11, as messed up as this guy is, he's in the hall of fame as far as in Hebrews 11, it's a book that says these are people of faith that you need to remember. And I can't believe that that guy's name is there. It's crazy. So if you want to read the story this week, uh, Judges 13 through 16, we're just going to look at how he started and who he started with looking at his parents and how they interacted with God. Now remember during this time, Judges, uh, multiple times it says the Israelites were doing what was best in their own eyes. They had almost at this point completely turned from God. They had forgotten the stories. I don't know if you've been there in your life or you've seen people like that, that God's done amazing miracles and years later they just forget them. And we see that people have been doing that for thousands of years, right? God splits the sea, and then 30 days later, they're complaining that they don't have enough food. It's like, I just split an, a body of water for you. And it's like, we forget that, right? And so uh, they're at a time where everyone's just kind of doing what they think is best. Again, kind of like our times now, where it's your truth. It's what you want. It's how you feel. It's whatever's best for you, right? That's kind of theme. Well, we're not the only nation or time that's been that way. So any of you that are like, this is the worst it's ever been, read your history books, right? We all are the same. And so Israel's going through that, not really listening to God, yet still kind of religious. They got the Jewish tattoos, like we have the Christian tattoos. They had that whole thing, looking cool, doing their thing. They also lacked consistent leadership. Unfortunately, the leadership at this time was pretty corrupt. Um, and, uh, and they weren't really leading people. They were telling the people what they wanted to hear which is one of the hardest things as a leader, to tell people what they don't want to hear rather than what they want to hear because you want to be liked or you don't want there to be a split or you don't want people to be angry and to leave or whatever it is, whether in your family, in your business, or in a church. 
So they were lacking good leadership. Yet, what you find is God is still moving. I want to encourage you in the darkest places in your family, the darkest places in our nation, that God is always moving and the light shines brighter. So that's why maybe I frustrate some of you guys where people are like, oh, it's never been worse, or oh, oppression, or oh, we're losing our freedom. I'm like, yes, time for Christians to shine. Because God is always moving. In fact, he moves even more powerful. Check this out. Judges 13, here we go. Verse 1, it says, as I already told you, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They weren't listening to God. They were doing whatever they thought was right. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistine for 40 years. One of the things you'll see about God is that God will bring discipline into our lives when we constantly rebel and disobey him, do what is right in our eyes, rather than asking the question, what is right in his eyes? And so those can turn out discipline in different ways, but usually they're a little bit painful. And that's God's megaphone to say, stop, turn. Some of us, those painful moments can happen over and over again. And don't just keep going forward. Sometimes God's slowing you down. I think I need you to learn something here. So they were back and they were being disciplined. And then back then how he disciplined them is he brought in nations that were very, very evil. And they would come in and they would wipe out or uh, they would oppress the Israelites. Now, during this time, it says in verse 2, a certain man of, uh, uh, of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless and unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her. By the way, when you guys read these names, and you're like, oh, why did they put that in there? Like, that's boring. Just so you know, it's because it gives validity to the word of God. That it's not this mythological book. If you read uh, mythology and other ancient things, there's made up cities, there's made up names, there's made up clans, there's made up things. The beauty of the Bible and why, why personally even I'm a Christian is you go back, there's all kinds of things that anchor of these are real cities, real times. And if you go to any type of like, um, you know, religion that started that's kind of an offshoot, um, Mormonism is one of them. Like you go back and you start studying it, those cities weren't real or that people group wasn't real. Like we have verifiable facts. God knows this, and so he put in the names of the clan, the name of the cities, that we go back through archaeology, and that was really there. God is brilliant that way. He wants you to have faith, but he's like, I don't want you to be a dum-dum. This has really happened, all right? And so that's why it's a little boring, but that's why God put it in the Bible, just so you know. So, all right, so we go on, and we get to the main part of the story here, where it says that this, this dude and his wife, uh, they were childless and unable to give birth. Now, back then, too, if you were unable to give birth, that meant that you didn't really have strong finances. Back then, kids were your retirement and were your finances. They helped work the farm. They helped kill animals. They helped guard. Uh, that They helped if you were attacked by another family or clan. You wanted kids. So it's beyond just children. It's more like if we don't have that, then we don't have money. We don't have income. These were poor people. These were people that were despised because back then, if you were blessed by God, you had a lot of kids. And if not, it's like, ooh, maybe God doesn't like you. That was the mindset. And look what happens. The people that are low on the totem pole, financially, uh, you know, on the um, social scale, it says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, have you noticed this in the Bible? Who does God repeatedly show up to? No names. They hold no rank. They hold no degree. They didn't go to theology school. They don't know ancient Greek. They don't have all this intellect. Maybe they don't have all this money. Do you see that consistent? Who birthed the Son of God? A teenage girl. Didn't pick the richest. Didn't pick the best. 
Are you seeing a theme here? That God looks for those that are in humble circumstances. That God speaks to the Joe average person. And you might be like, ah, who am I? I'm one of seven billion people. But you're knitted together in your mother's womb by God. And he knows you and he knows your name. And he wants to walk with you and meet with you. We see that from the Old Testament. God wants to be with people. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, I'm going to bless you, but there's conditions there. God's going to bless you, but there's conditions with it. It's not for your own enjoyment. Do whatever you want. There's conditions there. He's blessing you in order to use you. He's blessing you in order to use you. Some of us think, no, bless me just because of me. No. I'm blessing you in order to use you that you can participate with me in life. And so it says, now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son uh, whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedicate to God... um, from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. She's like, whoa, relays this to her husband. Like, uh, this just happened. And then we jump to verse 8. Look at the response of her husband. Verse 8, chapter 13. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I begged you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to what? To teach us, to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. Then the woman worried to tell her husband, he's here. The man who appeared to me the other day is here. Verse 11 Manoah got up and followed his wife, and when he came to him, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? And he said, I am. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink any wine or other fermented drink or anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. When we read the Bible, it's not all that was written. I'm sure there was more instruction there as he sought to learn. How do you raise a leader of a nation? Like there's no manual back then, you know, nothing to look up. And again, there wasn't a lot of mentoring back then. What's interesting about this is that this Nazarite vow was hundreds of years old. It was given to the Israelites before. There's probably no one to even train them of how to raise a Nazarite. Maybe some of us come from backgrounds. How do, I, how do I become a man of God, a woman of God? How do I raise kids? How do I do ministry? How do I start a ministry? What does it mean to be the, you might have all these questions and God wants to teach you. And you look back and your family didn't teach you. Your dad didn't teach you. Your mom didn't teach you. Maybe some of us grew up in churches and they didn't even really teach us. We just left those churches guilty or more confused or feeling worse rather than feeling drawn to God, Right? And God wants to say, hey, I will overcome all those things. If you're willing, if you're humble, if you're curious, if you desire, what was it last week? Ask, seek, knock. So he taught them. And then verse 15, look at the response. This is really important for today. 
Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please, let us detain you so that we may prepare a young goat for you. By the way, did I tell you that they were poor already? Did I say that? A young goat, that's weeks to months of food. They're so thankful. They haven't even received anything yet. What if this was all hallucinations? What if this doesn't come true? What if it's, I mean, they haven't received what God has promised, yet they're already willing to sacrifice. Shows thankfulness. Shows humility. Many of us, we say, God, I'll sacrifice, but first you give me what you promised. I'll worship you, but you promised me joy, but until I'm joyful, I will not worship, or I will not give, or I will not serve. And God says, once I speak it, how do I know if you believe it? You instantly begin to give back through worship or sacrifice. Before they received anything, they already thanked God. So it says, uh, he gave up a lot. Uh, but the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. By the way, we believe this is pre-incarnate Jesus. We know multiple times in the Old Testament that Jesus, before he was Jesus, uh, that he was part of the Old Testament story. Many times angel of the Lord is the uh, parentheses that you'll see that there. And so he says, offer it to God. And then he goes on to say, Manoah said to the angel, well, what is your name? So that when your words are fulfilled, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? For it is wonderful. So Manoah took the young goat along with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. Few things in this story. One is I want you to know is that Samson's a phenomenal story, but he's actually raised by even greater parents who are more faithful to God than even Samson was. So there's more to this story than about Samson, like every story, right? Even your story. It's not about you. Some of us think it's like, oh, my wisdom or why, and you forgot the teachers that encouraged you, the parents that prayed for you, people that God brought in randomly that helped kind of bump you away from a potential area of sin or rebellion. If you really think about your stories, there's so many people to be thankful of. And Samson should have been thankful to his parents that they stayed with him the whole time, faithful, even when he was rebellious, even when they said, this is not how God, uh, how we raised you. Like God told us to raise you this way, and, and you shouldn't be eating that or cutting that or sleeping with that person, all that kind of stuff. They stayed faithful to the very end. So I want to look at these two people that aren't very popular in scripture, but what can we learn from them? Because they did a phenomenal job that God gave them a rebellious son that could have been a greater leader. He was a leader of Israel for 20 years. But maybe God gave them as far as if they didn't have parents like that, he would have been even worse. So maybe it's like, hey, this isn't the best, but it could have been worse. But I need you to train a very rebellious, hard-headed young man that I need because he's super-duper strong. And he's going to help us. Two things I just want to hit, have us think about in our lives as God wants to meet with us and as God wants to use us. One is this. In the story, we see that God teaches the curious. God teaches the curious. Notice they didn't go to a priest. Notice they didn't go to anyone else. How do we raise a Nazarite? They could have. They went straight to God. You teach me. 
I want to encourage us in our lives that I believe God wants to not just save us, but to teach us. But you, you, we, we'll seek self-help books or we'll just Google something and we're assuming Google has all the wisdom. You know, the first three articles are going to be brilliant. I, I'm blown away, but like even parenting, it's like, oh, I read this in a parenting magazine. It's like, you don't even know who that editor is. You, you have no idea. They could be a crazy person. You're like, oh, they had a PhD. I know plenty of PhDs. They can be crazy. <laughs> like it's, but we go and we have the God of the living universe that's lived forever that we never think maybe he has answers for us. Maybe he wants to teach us. That, curio- that curiosity with God will help us to go to him and to say, God, teach me. God, teach me about maturity, about humility, about character. Teach me about manhood, womanhood. Teach me about leading a ministry, starting a ministry, about serving others. Teach me about gratitude. Teach me about self-control, self-discipline. I believe the Bible has about 99.9 of everything we need to know or we're searching is in the Bible. But we struggle to open it. And I think that's a spiritual battle. I, I think I'm blown away by people like, oh, I just can't read the Bible. And then they'll read all of Harry Potter, the whole thing, in one night. I'm like, well, I know you can read. You just read Harry Potter, right? So I know you can read. But I think it's a spiritual battle. I think one of the ways that Satan tries to, um, to get to us is to, to put judgment against the Bible. It's boring. It's irrelevant. I don't know what I'm really reading. I'm always blown away by Christians. Like, we'll read a basic verse. I'm like, well, what would you get out of that? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a super Christian. No, it just said, bear with one another and love each other as God has loved you. What do you think? Well, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot, but maybe I should just, you know, love my wife as God loved me. Yes! <laughs> like, sometimes we try to overcomplicate it. Yes! God actually wants to teach you how to be a godly man for your whole life. And to do love completely different than how your dad taught you. Because he was an alcoholic and he didn't do it well. I know my dad, I don't want to disparage him. He didn't do it well. You need to be taught. God wants to teach you. And there's hope there. How are we to be curious? I want to encourage you with three ways that I've seen in my life and I think the Bible talks about. Three ways to be curious. One is God's word. Two is God's people. And three is God's spirit. So three ways to be curious. God's word, you got to open it up. You can't be trained. I, I believe the church is so lacking maturity in the qualities of God and how to live life because we just lack opening the word of God. That's a training manual. How many of us can work a job and never open up the training manual and try to do a good job? You can't. Well, I'm just going to wing it. Won't go well. Opening up God's word. And we have such amazing technology. You can go on BibleGateway.com and do topical things. And it'll pop things up there. Like we have so much resources. Viewing the Bible as a training manual. As a way, if you want to do this life well, effectively, partnered with God to really have spiritual power and impact. Where you're seeing God not just move around you, but to begin to move through you. And it's, it's weird. It's like, whoa. Open up the word. It can never happen if we don't open up the word of God. Whether you listen to it, awesome. Read it, great. But get it in you 
but not just get it in you to feel good, but get it in you to train you, to change you, to equip you. I believe that God also uses God's people, godly people. Now, I say that as far as they're not just a Christian, that label Christian, because someone can live incredibly foolish and call themselves a Christian. Godly people, people that are further down the road, being mentored by someone. This will help you immensely, especially for those of us that we really haven't had much training. I know for me, uh, I've shared this story multiple times, having three dads, broken home, um, a lot of instability, moving 17 times in 16 years. I remember when I became a Christian, I was just like, I truly don't know how to be a man of God. Especially the more I hung around Christians, I'm like, I don't want to hang around these people. Like they just, <laughs> it felt so, I had to unlearn so many things. I mean, lying was a part of my life. That's how you just got through high school. You lied and you were a player and you said things and you didn't mean it and you got away and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, that's how you did it. Going from viewing women as an object to as a best friend to partner with, woo, huge chasm. Because most of my life it was play or get played, right? It was just, that's the game. And what we've got to realize is there's a huge chasm. If you're just coming to know Jesus, it's not just like, okay, I know Jesus. Whoo, I'm saved. No, no, no. Now he wants to teach you. And guess what? There's a lot to learn because there's a huge chasm. I don't know if you notice this, between the way the world does life and we do life. From people to money to emotions to thinking to your words to your job. The world views a job as a way to get money. We view it as a missions field. You're not there just to make money. God has you in a missions field. But Brian, don't have to go to India or Africa? No, most of us won't. Go to your job. And guess what? Be a Christian. Pray for them. But I hate them. Perfect. That's another training tool. Guess where God wants to train you? Love your what? Your best friend? Wait, love your what? Oh, people who only like you? Wait, lo love your enemies. What if God for the next two months trained you on how to love your enemies? And by the way, when he trains you, don't keep reading the Bible. Once the Holy Spirit says, that's what you need to learn, take a month, take two months, and try to mature yourself in that area. Take three months, take four months. I was hungry. I knew I lacked godliness. I knew I was saved by grace, but I felt that I was always failing God's grace. Have you ever been there? So I opened up God's word, but I needed it explained. So one of the first things I did is I looked around the church. I found 10 families that I looked at and said, they're rock solid. They are not faking it. That man loves that woman. That woman partners with that man. Their kids weren't perfect, but they were raising them well. They were consistent at church. They were generous. I watched them, and then I asked them, would you write me a letter? 10 things you did well, 10 things you do differently. I was single, not even dating at the time put those pages in a folder, and I would read that folder all the way through. I had that even in the first few years of marriage. Changed my life. It takes that to where you want to go. Are you curious at all about what God wants to teach you through godly people, through God's word, but often through God's spirit? The Holy Spirit will meet you, talk to you, encourage you. Are you listening? Do you turn off the radio? Do you turn off the TV and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. God, calm my thoughts right now. What did I read last week? And the Holy Spirit will remind you, oh, oh, I forgot that. And the Holy Spirit will say, I'm going to bring people into your life. Let me think about that. It all works together. 
The curious begin the learning process. But the second thing is this. God doesn't just teach the curious, but God also teaches the humble. God teaches the humble. I want to encourage you with this is curiosity will help you find God, but humility is what seals you to him. Curiosity is what will help you find God, but humility is what seals you to him and where you can really learn. Any of you in a teaching position, whether coach, trainer, teacher, any of you where you're talking to someone teaching, be proud about it. You guys are like ashamed. You're like, ah, you know. All right, we've got a few of you guys here. Is it possible to teach someone that doesn't want to listen to you or thinks that they have the answers and you don't? Is it possible to, what's the number one quality all you guys are looking for? Humility. Just shut up. Just be quiet. Just assume you know nothing, right? And then you can begin to learn. I think that's what we have to do when it comes to God. Now, how do we know if we're humble? I want to encourage you this. We saw this in this passage. Write these words down if you're taking notes. Thankful obedience. How do I know if I'm humble? I'm thankfully obedient. Humility, first of all, is thankful. They're appreciative. A prideful person is never appreciative. They're always defensive. They always want to show you their cards and how good their hand is rather than just keeping it to themselves and looking at you saying, that's a good hand. When we lack thankfulness, I want to encourage some of us, when we lack thankfulness, I want to make sure it wasn't a gunshot. Like, is there someone behind me that I'm going to get? When we lack thankfulness, just so you know, it's usually a sign we lack humility. If my life, life is constantly complaining or it's constantly defensive, I'm lacking thankfulness. I'm not saying there's not times, but I'm saying day in, day out, there should be a sense of thankfulness in order to be humble. But the second thing is this. Humility is always obedient. Some of us view Christianity as how I feel towards God. I don't feel close to God, or, or how, do I, how do I feel? And feelings are not a good way to know if you're truly close to God. It's a horrible way to, to, to do relationships. I don't feel close to you. All feelings say something's going on. They don't say that's the way something actually is. How do I know if I'm close with God? You're obedient. That's it. He says, do it this way. You say, that's the way I'm going to do it. Even if the whole world, your family says, don't do it that way. Nope, I'm going to do life this way. I'm going to do money this way. I'm going to do thinking this way. I'm going to manage my emotions. I'm going to do friendship this way. I'm going to do evangelism this way. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to do it his way. There's no way around it. If I lack obedience, it comes down to, well, I wasn't trained right or my nationality or I had a rough day. No, no, no. I'm just lacking humility. In that moment or those days or those weeks, my life, there's an arrogance there. In our lives, I think what we learn from Manoah and his wife is to be curious so that God can teach you, but be humble so that he can really use you. Be curious so he can teach you, but be humble so he can really use you. They were. They did everything that he asked. And Samson made some mistakes, but Samson also fulfilled God's will in his life to destroy the Philistines. And the parents were a part of that, even giving him the ability to do it. So my questions today is we're going to jump into worship. I know it's heating up a little bit. But here's your questions this week to think about. The humility part. 
Am I thankful for what God wants to speak into my life, even if I don't want to do it? But am I thankful, but bottom line, am I obedient to do what is right in his eyes rather than other people's eyes? Am I obedient to do what is right in his eyes rather than other people's eyes? And then the other thing is, am I curious? Am I finding ways for God to teach me? And that's why we start out that question today. What is God teaching you? That we're constantly in that mode. If that question ever comes up, you know what God is teaching you because you're curious. You're constantly looking to learn about life and how to live for him. Uh, my mom passed away uh, several years ago. And you guys, I told a lot of stories about her because she was an amazing, uh, amazing woman. Is the sound going out? You want me to jump to this mic here? Yeah. We just got so we need to make sure the sound works. Um, my mom passed away several years ago, and she was an amazing woman. And uh, what I appreciate about her is that she fulfilled God's desire uh, for her life and what God wanted to do, not just with her, but uh, through her. Uh, my mom was pregnant at um, uh, 15 and 18. Had my sister at 15 and 18. Um, married a man that was abusive, left a home that was abusive. Um, but luckily she had Christ in her life because during this abusive time, uh, one Christian invited her to youth group. You guys, sometimes it takes one invite from someone. I don't know who that young woman was, but that young woman listened to God, followed through, reached out to a girl that probably looked like she didn't want God, came from technically a Jewish home, didn't know what she was going through at home, but God laid on her heart, invited her. She went to youth group, didn't stay. So she probably thought, well, that girl probably went back to crazy life. Maybe her, she got pregnant. It's like, oh, she's not following God. No, no, no. The seed was planted. Thank you for being obedient. They would never meet again, but that girl participated in what God wanted her to do. My mom would go through that. Um, husband number one would leave her, goes to husband number two, appeared to be a good godly man. And then he starts going downhill. This is marriage number two also abusive. Through this all, though, I saw my mom continually seek God out. Uh, one of the character traits of my mom, uh, no matter what day it was, is every day she'd wake up before us and the Bible would be open on the kitchen table. Even days where I wish I would close it because I was so angry at God. I, I was so frustrated that she would trust God when God had abandoned us. Living in South Bakersfield in a two-bedroom apartment while my mom slept outside, uh, in the living room, uh, and my sister had a room, I had a room, but I would never invite anyone over to my home. And every day that bow would be open. You see, she was teaching me, not just for that day, but later on when I would be a man and I'd go through tough things and I'd have to open the word of God. Her curiosity also led to just being mentored herself, going through counseling and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't just for herself. You see, while we would leave the house when there was yelling and when there was screaming when there was abuse, I remember my mom used to take me to an airport. And I'll never forget this, but she used to ask us questions. And as a teenage boy, it's like, why are you asking so many questions? She's like, how do you feel about this? I don't know how I feel about this. And probably at the time, she's thinking like, this young idiot's not getting anything I'm trying to do. And she'd ask me questions about how I'm feeling or what I saw or things like that. All that would train me so that when I was a parent, I would learn to ask my kid questions before I gave them commands. She was training me as God was training her, as she was meeting with mentors, as she was opening words, God, God's word every day. I bet my mom thought, what is my mission? Because both my kids are not following God for some years. 
I probably thought she failed, but I want to encourage you this. God's word never fails, and God's promises never cease. Stay curious. Stay humble. My sister and I had different paths, but my sister now is walking with the Lord. She's incredibly generous. She gives to this church even though she doesn't come here. She's humble, receives God's word. Where did that start? The seeds were planted back with mom. When she was curious, seeking God, even though it didn't look like there was any reward. My kids aren't following God. I'm not married. I've gone through two marriages. This is just crazy. But God said, trust me. And then she would teach whatever God taught her. I want to encourage you with this. The best thing in your life, with all the distractions and all the people that want to speak into your life and politics that want to speak into your life, education wants to speak into your life, and people tell you how to be prosperous, stay focused on God. He's not only your greatest resource, he's your greatest teacher. And he wants to intimately meet you, just like an angel did, out in the middle of the boonies to poor people that had no child. God says, that's who I love to hang with. He's not looking to hang out with the smartest because usually they're the most arrogant. He's not looking to always hang out. And I'm not saying if you're smart, you're arrogant. But let's face it. When you have a lot of money, intellect, looks, things, those can be huge obstacles. Because why do I need to trust God? I have it all. In fact, God is looking for people that know they don't have anything. And he wants to give them everything. He wants to teach you this week. Your language, your thoughts, your emotions, being a man, being a woman, being a servant, all that. Be curious. But here's the thing. Once you're curious, be obedient and be thankful because otherwise you'll never get it. We're going to take time now. The worship team is going to come up. Um, Abilene, hopefully your computer is not freezing. All right. We're going to get a little piano. Awesome. So it froze up uh, for the first set. And we have communion right around the corner. And I know we have the worst communion of any church in the world. It's warm. Uh, they're cheap. But that really proves if you're in this or not. So uh, you really get to kind of validate your, your, uh, your faith there. But I know it's nasty. But it, here's the thing. It's a sign of God's sacrifice and his love and his pursuit of you. It reminds us every week that more than you love him, he loves you. And that's important for all of us to know and that he's with you. So as we do that, you can take communion by yourself or with your family or friends. You can talk, pray together, and then take that communion. So let me pray, and we're just going to worship and come before God and let him teach us and encourage us. Jesus, I pray for our church today. I pray that we wouldn't think that the end game is just to be saved and then we're done. But now we have a mission, and you have a training manual for that. I pray that the Bible would actually be exciting. The stories would be exciting. Your letters would be exciting. And that we wouldn't think like, ah, I can't get it, realizing that, no, it's written to the common man, common woman, and that you desire to teach us in all things. And God, I pray that we would humbly receive whatever you tell us to do, that we realize that it is for our good and for your glory. So God, I pray that we'd be thankful before your promises even come true. We'd be worshipers of you. We'd sacrifice to you knowing that your word will never cease. So, God, we worship you now. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for teaching us and equipping us to do this life well. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go toaccesschurch.com.